And, and what's amazing is I can preach a message about this full of revelation. And Pastor Daniel can preach a revelation, uh, message on the same passage full of revelation. And Pastor Nelson can preach a message on this full of revelation. And each one of us could have a different aspect or a different thought or a different emphasis that the Holy Spirit gives us. His word, don't limit. Don't limit his word. Don't even limit it to what you've learned. Be open and say, okay, God, what are you saying? And then you study it. So if I say something you don't know for sure, you study it. That's biblical. Look it up. Talk to Pastor Nelson. He'll set me straight. I mean, he'll... Uh, <laughs> But if I want to read this passage. This is my prayer for you. For this reason, Ephesians 1.15, for this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. And I want to tell you, you have the faith that exists among you and you have love for the saints. So this is for you. I don't cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in, court, in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. And this morning, I want to take a look at the phrase in verse 19. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Amen? I'm asking God to open your eyes this morning that you would see what is the greatness, the surpassing greatness of his power towards you who believe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just ask that our eyes would be open and our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us today. In your precious name, amen. Amen. God's, God's been speaking to me by signs the last couple of weeks. Anybody remember the sign that I saw last week? What does a nut say when it sneezes? Cashew. Then I was driving this week and I saw another sign. And it impressed me to actually text another pastor. And, and then I saw another sign. And it impressed in me to talk to God. Not to text him, to talk to him. And the sign was, Lord, help me be the person my dog thinks I am. I was at a church, but I thought, man, is that ever good? Because my dog thinks, like, I'm special. 
Could we ever be honest enough to say, God, would you please help me be the person that my dog thinks I am? God, would you ever help me be the person that you say that I am? So he's, he's been having fun with me. I've been seeing signs. And, and I, mean, I mean, I know some of you are thinking, oh, this is a spiritual sign. No, it's just like he's just having fun with me. And uh, anyways, I wanted to share that with you because um, God's good. And I want to be the person that he says I am. That's not my whole sermon. Okay, I gave, I gave a long pause there and nobody says, preach, but I'm going to preach. Do you know that the power God has in store for you surpasses any other power that this world could ever offer? The power that God has is greater than any other power. I think, I think just about each one of us here would say, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've read that. I understand it. But then I think of the child standing on the edge of the pool and the parent in the pool saying, jump. And the child could see 10 other kids do it. But when it comes to them, they're going, no, no, no. You're going to move, you're going to drop me, you're this, I'm going to get wet. And it's amazing how we can say the power that God has surpasses and is greater than any other power, but then what happens is we get a challenge. And I find it's in those moments of challenge that what we really believe comes out. You never know the strength of concrete till you put it under compression. You never know the strength of something till you put it under test. You never know your roof leaks until it rains. And this week we had a couple toilets that we dealt with. You never know your toilet leaks until you flush it. And then it's like, my goodness, why couldn't it leak when the water's clean? But it's amazing how you don't find something out until you actually get tested. And, and we might say, oh, God's power is great. But what happens when his power gets challenged? So I want to give you some thoughts this morning about God's power. It's a power that surpasses all other power. It surpasses all other power. It goes beyond that power that was challenging it. In fact, if you want to really understand it, it throws beyond. God is so good, he doesn't just meet the need but he, has, he says, not only am I going to fill your cup, but I'm going to fill it to overflowing. He's extravagant, but he doesn't waste. It's a very simple truth, but it's a, it's a truth that I find myself I get challenged on. 
His power rolled back the water for the children of Israel to walk through. There came a mighty wind. I, I cannot... I can't wait to get to heaven to look at those holy DVDs, and, and, um, and it's not going to be 4K, it's going to be heavenly K, and it's going to be like 3D, and it's almost like he's going to transport me back in time, and I'm going to see some of the miracles in the Bible where only he could do it. He opened the sea wide enough that a million people could get through on dry land. And then they get through and the army comes after them and they get swallowed up. (laughs) If you take a step back from there, talking about how his power surpasses every other power, he went to Moses in the beginning of Exodus and he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell them, tell him to let my people go. And he says, and by the way, he's not going to want to do it. But by the time I'm finished, he's going to know and you're going to go out And what's amazing is if you go into Deuteronomy, you find out God continues to talk to them and God says to them, listen, you're going to go out of this land and you're going to actually spoil or take plunder of those people that held you back. This was an army that didn't have military tools. And what did they do? They plundered Egypt. They actually gained favor from the Egyptians that they gave them things when they were all done the 10 plagues. The Egyptians gave them stuff and just said, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. The power that God had surpassed all the power that Pharaoh and his magicians magicians could come up with. It says in Exodus 3, you're going to go out of this and you're not going to go empty-handed. If you're facing something, I'm here to tell you that if you follow what God tells you, he can take you out of it, but he can take you out of it in a better position than when you went into it. That's not in my notes. So that might be referred to as a prophetic utterance. But I'm here to tell you, God can do greater and his power is greater and surpasses any other power that would try to challenge him. What God always does, or what God does always goes beyond what you and I can do. God always goes beyond what you and I could do. That's why we need him. Because I can't do it. I think our world around us is showing that we have limits and limitations And if we're not careful, we succumb and we live to the limits that everybody else places on us instead of saying, what does God say? He, 
does always goes beyond what we can do. It's great. It's magnificent. He says, cast all your cares on him. For he cares for you. That's 1 Peter chapter 5. Anybody here got anxiety? Because one of the words for cares in that passage, one of the versions has it as anxiety. He says, cast that on me because I take that for you. And I care for you. In another passage in Matthew, he says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if you continue reading that, it says, I will give you rest for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. God is a spirit, but he cares about your being. In fact, in creation, it says he breathed the breath of life and we became a living soul. I find it amazing because in Hebrews, it says that the word of God is sharp and powerful, quicker than any two-edged, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit. In other words, there's an aspect of dividing the soul and spirit that there, it's hard, and he can do that. Why? Because he is a spirit, and he came, he breathed his spirit life into us, and we became a living soul. He cares about you. He cares about mental health. He cares about well-being. He cares about your concerns, your worries. It says in Ephesians, he is my peace that has broken down every wall. What he can do goes beyond, every single time, go beyond what you and I could do. His power is great. It says in 1 John 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It says in John 14, ask anything in my name. That's a dangerous verse. And, and, and people, it's, it's like, oh, that means I can ask any. You know what? I think sometimes we just don't ask right. Now, in James, it says you don't have because you don't ask, and when you do ask, you ask because you want to build it on yourself. So there's an aspect of understanding to what to ask, but Jesus says if you ask it right, you can ask anything in my name. And it's not just one verse that says that. John 14, John 16, and there's other passages where he talks about asking. Ask, seek, and knock. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says he does exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we ask or think. I'm talking about the power of God this morning. And what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to give you faith and to stir up your spiritual insight, your spiritual eyes, that you would see God's power and the surpassing greatness of his power that is extended towards you. As I'm reading this, I'm just blown away. Because it's like, his power is, is phenomenal. It's amazing. When we reach our limits, he's there. And then he goes beyond 
our limits. He's not limited. He is an exceeding, extending, going greater and beyond kind of God. That's the power that God has. God is better than any power that you and I could have. And there's, there's some powers that we try. One of the powers, God is better than the power of coffee. Everybody posts, you know, oh, don't touch me until I've had my first cup of coffee. And we talk about that as a joke. But it's amazing how we get our fixes to help us get through something, but we don't get our fix of God. He's stronger than caffeine. His fix is a fix that lasts forever. He doesn't need to have a temporary fix or an IV stuck in you full of caffeine. He, he's, it says, drink of me. I'll, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say, out of your innermost being will be a small tap that shuts off at 8 o'clock at night. No, it's, ah, it keeps coming. You drink of me, you'll never thirst again. If you want to put your notes down, I said, God is better than coffee. Some of you might talk to me after church about that. but His power is unmatchable. Right now, just think of something that maybe has thrown up its, its resistance. Maybe there's something that you've been thinking about and it just seems to have captivated your thought and, and your energy and your mind. Think about that and go, is God's power greater than that? Yes. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And he talks about we're not crushed, and it gives three examples. And then he says that the excellency of the power of God, that we might see that the excellency is of the power of God, and it's not of man. He needs 4,000. He doesn't do once. He does it again. And each time he had extra left over. He's extravagant. I mean, he could have just fed the 5,000 and that would have been amazing. You know, a kid shows up with three happy meals and hey, let's feed the whole arena. That would be a miracle. But then he goes, ah, let's give them leftover. Let's give them more leftovers than what they started with. Are you picking that up? This is the power, the might, even the energy that God has. I mean, we use some words, and sometimes these words actually connect to God, but they're used in such weird ways. But he has an energy. He has a force. He has a power, a might, and a strength that surpasses anything else that is around us. 
And not only that, but then it goes beyond and it's extravagant. That's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. He turned, uh, he turned the water into wine, which is a miracle. He literally changed the physical composition. Now, I went to school and I learned that water is comprised of H2O. Two hydrogen molecules, one oxygen molecule. He changed that and created wine. But not only that, but it was the best wine of the day. The bridegroom and, and the, the MC comes to them and says, you know what, usually these guys waste their wine on the people right away. They get them sloshed, they get them all liquored up or whatever, whatever you want to say. They get them, and then they give them the cheap stuff. He says, but you actually save the best for last. Not only does he do the miracle, but then he says, it's going to be better than anything else, anybody else could provide. That's our God. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would see what is the surpassing greatness of his power. It says in Luke, give and it shall be given unto you. Financially, can I mess with your finances for a moment? Get into the habit of giving to God because it says people will come and it will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall they pour into your bosom. It says, and with what measure you use, it will be given back to you. And what I've found is when God gives back in his measure to what I've done, it's exponentially greater than the measure I did. We think it's one for one, and he goes, no, it's God for one. It, you know, I hear these, you know, 5X, 2X. It's God X. Are you with me? In Deuteronomy... When he tells them that they're going to go into the promised land, you know what, how good God is? He says, you're going to go into the promised land and you're actually going to take over cities that you didn't build. I believe in reaping and sowing, but if I could be crazy enough to tell you, I believe there's a God factor in this that goes beyond reaping and sowing. And we preach reaping and sowing for finances, and quite often that's the message that it's under. Reap, uh, give, and, and, and this world is based on finances. There's a lot of finances, things, mission fields, other things that require money. But there's an aspect of coming into agreement and into alignment with God and what he says, and that brings a factor that you actually reap where you didn't sow. That's biblical. You actually gain the benefit of what others have done and you also pour and sow into and others will reap what you have sown. But don't just think it's one for one. 
He told them in Deuteronomy when they, Deuteronomy, he told them when you take over this land, you're going to have houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat food that you didn't plant. You're going to have cities that you didn't build. He says, that's the kind of God and the power of God that we have for us, that he gives us things that we didn't even put energy into. I hope I'm stretching you this morning. I'm asking God to have some radical believers that we believe God will do above and beyond what we ask or think. I'm asking God that, that I'd rather have somebody come to me that's radical and says, I'm believing for this, and I go, wow, than somebody that goes, well, I'm just hoping to make it through. Who that got quiet. You want to talk about how good God is? The parable of the talents, when the master came at the end to collect what he had, the guy with five talents said, hey, you gave me five, I, gave, I got five more. The guy with two, you gave me two, I got two more. The guy with one said, listen, I know that you actually reap where you don't sow. And I was afraid, so I just buried it. I put, and, and, the, and the master says, listen, you know that. You could have even just put it in the bank to get usury or interest. And the master was saying, I actually do reap where I don't sow. In Ephesians 3, Paul says, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly. The widow in the Old Testament whose oil never ran out. Till all her debts were paid. David picked up five stones. He only needed one. And that one little stone subdued a whole nation. <laughs> I mean, it was, I would venture to say, smaller than a golf ball. And it subdued a whole nation. Look at rocks differently next time. And by the way, he picked up five stones. When you study and you read, you find out there were four other giants. And his, uh, his people around him and those he trained took out the other four giants. Pretty cool. Elijah or Elisha. I didn't check that one out. Either a J or an S. Elijah he said, listen, we're going to see whose God is of God. Put it, and they built these altars to Baal and an altar to God. And Baal, they danced around all day. Nothing happened. Gets to his and he says, you know what? Put water over it. And he says, do some more. So much so that the trench was full of water. And then he cries out to God and God consumes it with fire. His power was greater than the power and the system of that day. Daniel in the lion's den. Thank you. Nobody said amen when I said David and five stones, but <laughs> don't worry, I don't have issues, brother issues. The next morning, when the king came to see about Daniel, he threw the other guys in there, not just one, but he threw the other guys in there, and the lions devoured them. I'm sorry, I don't think the lions turned on their hunger just like that. I think God's power was there. Daniel said the angels shut their mouths. 
Not only that, but in that same context, you have the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. And, and, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the guy, Nebuchadnezzar, says, how many do we send in there? Because there's a fourth one, and that image is like the Son of God. Then they came out, and they didn't even smell like fire. That's amazing. Because every time I get around fire, it stinks me up. It leaves with you. The power that God extends towards us is extremely practical. The surpassing greatness of his power is extremely practical. It meets the need for the moment and goes beyond. In Matthew 7.11, remember that, 7.11. Oh, thank heaven for 7.11. It says, if you who are evil know what to give, how much more does your heavenly Father and there's a whole, you study that phrase, how much more. It's amazing. It's extremely practical. What God has for you is better than anything you could produce. What God has for you is better than anything the world could produce. What God has for you is better than any process or any formula could produce. Because what God has for you is of him and who he is. In 1 Corinthians, I am getting close to the end here. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for them. Oh, Lord, help us get a glimpse of the surpassing greatness of your power. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you. In 1 Peter 1 verse 3, it says his divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. The source is not out there. The source is up there and in here. So practically speaking, and you know when I say that, I'm getting near the end. Don't allow something to take the place of God. You want to write this down. Don't allow something to take the place of the one thing. God. Don't allow it. Have the mental strength and the decision, make a decision and say, you know what? I will not allow something to come and take my, this place because this place belongs to God. God told them when, when, when they entered the promised land and in Deuteronomy, where he says you're going to enter and you're going to have these cities uh, that you didn't build and you're going to have houses that you didn't do and you're going to have f farms and everything that you... And you're going to have all this. He says, be careful because it's in those moments when you think you don't need me anymore. Do not exchange what God has for what someone or something else tries to give. 
Don't exchange what God has for you for what somebody else or something else. Habits, addictions, fixes, coffee. Don't allow those things to take the place of God. Temporary fixes do not match a permanent God. And if I can be honest with you, every fix that you make will be temporary unless it's a permanent fix that God brings. It will have its limit. At some point. And the last practical thought I have is make a commitment to yourself that you will live by these disciplines. I think it's Job, I think, that said, I've made a commitment to my eyes that I will not let them wander. Another passage says, Your word have I hid in my heart in Psalms that I may not sin against you. Make the personal commitment when something happens and all breaks loose in front of me, I will stand firm because my commitment is not in this moment. My commitment is in the God who created the heavens and the earth and his power surpasses everything that could be happening around me and he is greater than what I am facing today. And you make that commitment when the sun is shining you make that commitment when things are going well because when things are going hard and rough, it's when those commitments get challenged. And if something happened in COVID, one thing it did was it revealed what commitments we had. Because there were believers who struggled. Quit coming to church. Didn't know what to think. I'm seeing now, I'm seeing actually people saying, well, it's been two years, I'm finally coming back. Thank God for that. But things will check and test and check your commitment. To me, this is a call to trust. Will you trust God? Or will you trust a temporary fix. Will you trust a God who says, I have so much more for you. What I have is superior, it's surpassing greatness of my power because it says, towards those who believe. So my question to you is who will you trust? Amen? I'm not going to ask you to fill out a form, but I do want to challenge you. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Can you stand? If any of this identifies, and if, if you say, yeah, you know what? Thanks, Pastor David. for bringing that and refreshing that. I want to pray a blessing over you, but what I'd like you to do is to be open and to be honest before the king and say, help me. 
Help me be the person, not that my dog says I am, but that you say I am. Help me trust you more. Help me trust you when I may not see. Help me trust when it's raging and when there's a storm. Help me trust when things aren't going the way I'd like them to go. Help me trust when there's a forest in front of me and you've told me this. Help me trust what you say about me is greater than what I see happening around me. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. That was a very climatic point. Now Pastor Brenda has something she wants to say. You may be seated.